Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Tap Talks HR podcast. Today I'm very pleased to be discussing the topic of visibility in the workplace with Sherry Bevan, leadership consultant. Hi Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you and so, so much for inviting me. I'm really delighted to be here today. No worries at all. So, so Sherry, just to kick us off, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners and also just give us an overview why it's important to have visibility in the workplace? Yeah, lovely. Thank you. So I work as a leadership consultant. I've been doing this work for a few years. I have a background in technology, so that's pretty much where I've worked all my life. And now I work with technology companies to help them develop their female talent so that they become more visible, get promoted and close the gender pay gap. And, you know, so that visibility in the workplace is super important to the for the work that I do and how I support women because you know in order to get promoted you need to get noticed and so that's why visibility is is so important but it's not just about being visible it's about you know developing those relationships it's about you know people seeing the value of the work that you do and not just the work that you do as an individual but the work of your team or your department you know as a as a leader or as a manager or head of a department, you have a responsibility not just for yourself, but for the people that, you know, who are in your charge kind of thing. But also visibility is important because it helps you um, obviously to get promoted and to get the pay rise. But it means that you start to develop better relationships with senior management so that when interesting opportunities come along, if somebody says, oh, how about Jane for that opportunity, rather than somebody say, oh, I don't know who Jane is, um, and then somebody else might offer, well, what about Fred? Oh, yes, Fred. Yeah, great. I'm, I, you know, it might not necessarily be a work thing that you're known for. It might just be you're the person that, you know, is in the coffee room with them or goes to the coffee shop with them or plays tennis with them after work. So it's, you know, it's about being visible in the workplace, but in sort of the not just the business aspects, but the kind of the more social in kind of relationship aspects, I suppose. And that's really interesting. And that's already provoked a, a thought in my head. Um, I recently did my master's in organizational psychology and my dissertation was around the dynamics between the researcher and the principal investigator in, in academia. And when I was talking to a number of the females, um, people I interviewed, they were actually saying that the way you got on was actually to go to these networking events that the dean was having and everything. And actually, whether you got invited or not actually made a huge difference to whether you you got given the next research project to do so that sounds like it kind of connects with visibility as well there oh yeah absolutely because it's that those events I mean I don't come from an academia background but you know it's at those events that you get to hear you know the water cooler gossip you know what's what else is going on what other topics is your manager involved with what other you know what are the challenges that the business is going through because if you're if you're working in marketing for example or if you're a, a QA tester you might not necessarily get to hear and see the bigger picture directly depending on how high up the career ladder you are but if you're going along to those big events you know the the all house meetings that an organization might hold you get to hear what else is going on in the organization and it also means you get to hear about interesting opportunities that might come up or you get to find out, you know, who's moving up in, in the workplace, who's the person to, you know, do inspirational work at the moment. So I think that's um, 
it, it makes total sense what you've what you've discovered in in the work that you're doing in your in your masters and and i love the, the whole water cooler gossip phrase i think that's an amazing phrase um, but it's interesting isn't it because actually visibility you could say being visible means you're top of mind to senior people in the organization but actually listening to that water cooler moments and hearing those business challenges actually gives you the the information, the ammunition to actually, when you have an opportunity to speak to these senior people, you can talk very eloquently about the, the business or organization in a way that they will understand. So it's almost like you've got to gather that information to actually become more visible, like a virtuous circle. Yeah, exactly. And it means that whatever proposals you submit or whatever, um, you know, whatever you're working on, you, you're then seeing it in a bigger context. So you're able to frame it when you're submitting it or when you're you know putting it forward as a as a proposal you're you know you understand the the story and the context of, that surrounds it which means that you're able to articulate it in a different way or to make sure that you're you're tapping into what the key business priorities are for that year or that you know whatever's coming up in the business plan for the next year so I think it's um it's just so important to have that visibility but also it's you know just being seen and being known it I think it gives you a certain level of confidence so if you're bumping into the CEO at the coffee machine you know or your your sales director or your HR director and you get to know them on a human to human level it means that when you do need to you know putting yourself forward for promotion or you're you're asking to be take on additional responsibilities you've already talked to them human to human so you know what they're like you know whether they're the sort of person that likes lots of flowery language or whether they just want the bullet points so you've it just gives you that inner confidence that you can have a normal conversation with them rather than thinking oh my goodness this is the HR director and kind of getting all scaredy about it yes that do or die moment if you yes, almost exactly. had the, the mini practices on the way up isn't it yeah and, and that's a really interesting point that you bring up there about this face-to-face contact because we're sitting here at the moment I mean we're virtually sitting here at the moment at other ends of a zoom call but we're at the back end of 2021 um, we've had in the UK we've had three lockdowns so far um, I say so far because we never know what's around the corner at the moment um, and we're starting to see people returning to work and there's the whole debate going on around hybrid working as a as a model do we go back fully to the office do we stay remote like most of well most white collar workers have been able to in the last 18 months but the question for you is how would you will the hybrid model kind of affect visibility inside the workplace it's a great question and i think it's um there's quite a few different themes going on here I think what what we've seen during lockdown, for example, is that women are more likely to have requested to go on furlough or to have taken holiday or unpaid leave in order to balance that work with homeschooling. I mean, most schools are back now fully, so the homeschool thing um, isn't quite there. But we've also seen a lot of people quitting because of burnout, because they're trying to balance work and homeschooling and still kind of keeping life going so I think that um, that visibility in the hybrid work model is even more important to think about it because obviously you know for most of us we spent our lives our work lives on zoom or teams or or skype for business over the past 18 months and we're all 
I think it's fair to say that lots of us are tired of being on camera all the time and seeing yourself on camera all the time. I mean, I always switch my camera off so I can't actually see myself. But I think um, that visibility in the workplace, it's its still about having those in, those relationships, those connections, those conversations with people. And I've seen some organisations where the you know all the meetings have been done online but everybody's off camera which I don't you know I can understand why people do that because of the burnout and the sheer zoom exhaustion but it also means you're not seeing each other Um, and what I've seen in some other organizations that's worked really successfully is having catch-up calls where there is no business to discuss but it's you know four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon Let's just get together and have a cup of tea, which is kind of more similar to what you do if you were working in together in an office still. And I think that's going to be important in the hybrid work model where some of us may be working from home. Some of us may be working in the office, but to ensure that those who work from home more often are still being included in those the the social interactions that, that we have at work that will help to build the relationships and build visibility. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think if we were in a physical office and you had your team in front of you and someone was quiet that day, you would probably go up to them at some point and maybe go and get a cup of coffee with them or, or just have a quick chat with them and say, are you okay? Is everything all right? But because because you don't see everyone in your team every day, all day, when, when we're working remotely or in a hybrid model, then actually out of mind you might not consciously think about oh i need to make sure everyone in my team is okay and quite easily visibility then slips through the cracks and if you're someone who doesn't find visibility i suppose uh, easy thing to do and you used to put yourself out there pre-pandemic i'm sure you must be struggling have you come across that yourself in the last 18 months oh yeah for sure and i think it is those it's those little things where you don't notice, as you say, someone's having a quiet day or they're looking really tired, you know, perhaps because they've, you know, if they've got a young baby, for example, maybe they've been up all, all night. And I think um, it is those small human to human interactions that, that we are missing out on. Um, and I think because, and what we've seen as well in the past is where people are working from home on a regular basis, like pre-pandemic, you know, outside of COVID and outside of lockdown, what we see is that people working from home are more productive. So there was a research um, paper published by Stanford Graduate School of Business six years ago, 2015, which showed that people who work from home are 13% more productive. But when they start to look at how those people are productive and, and therefore whether and whether or not they get promoted because they're, you know, are they being visible? The number of those people that get promoted, it's half of the people that work in the office. So simply from working from home, you're even if you work hard at being visible, you just aren't visible as much. And, and I know lots of people who work from home on a regular basis and feel like they've got to be even working even harder to prove the fact that they are working even though they're not physically working in the office whereas somebody in the office you might see that they're you might think or perceive that they're working hard because they're on the phone they're tapping away on the keyboard they've got their head down 
but actually they might be doing not be doing anything productive and so it's but yeah we're missing out on those little those little um nuances you know we out of sight out of mind and, and if you're working from home all the time then um this research tells us that you are out of sight out of mind yeah and that's interesting that's interesting and i think um i've seen one of my customers relaunch really heavily a high potential program um uh, and as we've gone through 2021 and and connecting in with visibility i think that's fantastic because you were talking about these kind of more social gatherings over remote uh, zoom technology etc um and actually by collecting and actually identifying people that you want to be high potential you're essentially pulling them into an area where they can potentially be more visible to the organization so there's almost something there that we can proactively go out and make sure people are more visible through different means being like the calls you were saying you're having having high potential programs just making sure that the the, the vulnerable groups i suppose are have a way of being as visible yeah absolutely and we do know from from other research that the if you've got the option of working from home then the people who will opt to work from home are people with disabilities people with young children and women and so those are the groups that are perhaps more um less visible in in the workplace and the fantastic thing about covid i'm big believer in there's always a silver lining um but you know one of the positive things about covid is that everybody's been equally invisible or visible depending on which phrase you use and so for some of the women that i've worked with on a one-to-one basis for example they've actually found that during covid they got that promotion that they've been working hard for you know since forever but because it's it's been a bit of um you know previously they'd worked from home a lot so they felt that they'd been invisible and then suddenly we're all kind of working at the same level of visibility if you like so it's um it's quite interesting to see how you know how that's going to be affected by as we start to go back into the office and we start to you know more and more organizations are talking about that hybrid work model who's going to be left behind who's going to be left being invisible and and is it going to be these you know these vulnerable groups people with disabilities the people with young children and 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 women who you know certainly the research tells us prefer to work from home more often and i think there's um there's a definite and what i've seen in other organizations is often the younger generation so the people who perhaps this is their first job or their second job by all of us working from home, they're losing out on that visibility in front of the more senior management to get those opportunities to get new, you know, new projects to work on, because they're not, again, they're not seeing what's going on in the, in the bigger, in the bigger world. And I, I certainly feel for the younger people because, um, you know, whereas perhaps if you're in a more established relationship and you've got family or you've got a house, but if you're flat sharing still, you know, lots of the younger people I've worked with, they're, they're all, arguing over who gets to sit in the comfy chair at the kitchen table and lots of them have been you know going coming to work meetings with sit, sitting on their bed in their bedroom which mm. can't be very comfortable apart from anything else yeah and i i think um 
That, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because you were talking about how you've heard of some people who work from home before becoming more visible when it's uh, this pseudo level playing fields coming around. I heard at the start of the pandemic from some very senior leaders how people that they had identified for the benefit of the listeners, I'm doing those little apostrophe things, as hypos, actually when they all started working from home and people were being judged on their task and their output primarily, suddenly they were just seen as average because actually it was, they were using visibility as a great weapon to promote themselves, but actually the substance behind that kind of fell away when you leveled the playing field. So it's interesting that that some of the people who worked hard from home, who took according to your stats, might not get the kind of um, promotion opportunities as suddenly being more visible. And, and I suppose you were talking about the invisible groups of the disabled people, people with young children and women, it, using those as, say, the potential invisible groups. What can organisations do about this? Because it seems to be a problem. Yeah, it does definitely seem to be a problem. And I think, you know, you're talking about productivity there. And I think that's definitely been something that we've seen come out of um, the pandemic is that people have been judged for their productivity more than just their visibility. But I think, you know, organisations, certainly leadership teams in organisations can educate themselves on what they're judging people on. Like, are they just judging people on how visible they are are they doing things like when it comes to promotion rounds are they looking at you know structured criteria for promoting people if they're doing promotion interviews for example do they have a structured set of interview questions that they follow and that they then rate in a structured way for for every person that goes through the promotion panel I mean, obviously different organizations do promotions in different ways but giving people that opportunity to be more visible and you know remembering that there is that statistic about you know people who work from home all the time are 13 percent more productive and I think also the other thing that's important for organizations is to accept like we're going to go down the hybrid work model and if therefore you're embracing flexible working flexible working is about being flexible I know obviously for certain roles or certain jobs you know you need to be there over core hours and if you're doing like customer service type roles for example you need to be available when the customer is available but there are some roles and functions and tasks that could equally be done at different times of of the day and it doesn't have to all be done you know in a nine till five I mean the the counteract to that of course is that um, potentially you're then giving people opportunities to carry on burning out by having the boundaries so inflexible but I think that's the other thing that organizations need to help people give themselves permission to set clean boundaries so that they've got you know because we do need to avoid that that burnout if if we're working from home and we we don't want you know vulnerable groups or anybody to be in danger of burnout but it is about having that permission to have those clean boundaries so if you're if you're never going to be available between say three o'clock and 4.30, because that's when you're doing the, the school pickup, for example, that doesn't mean um, that you, you can't do your work still, you can fit it in at other times, but it's about giving people that permission to, to have those boundaries in place, I think. And I think that's what organisations can do to, to counteract this. 
Yeah. And then that's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the term of um, flexibility. And I think I've started to see that one of my customers is, is introducing a 40% in the office uh, rule coming up. And it started as a diktat that you had to be there 40%. Um, it's very quickly morphed, not as in 40% of a week. It can be 40% over a month. So that, that's much more flexible. But also then there's individual circumstances. Mm. Uh, and I think this then comes back to leadership, doesn't it? And I think leaders um, have got a huge learning curve to go on because so often I'm talking to leaders, I'm developing coaching, et cetera, at the moment, saying, do you remember pre-pandemic when it used to be so easy to be a leader because all your team was there in front of you? You could spot when there was a problem, spot when things went well and everything. But now you're having to really... Be, use empathy and compassion as an individual level and isn't fairness isn't treating everyone the same anymore fairness is treating people as individuals yes absolutely and I think there is you know it's, it's a different skill set so there, there are new skills that leaders are having to to learn or to like prioritize and and focus on and for some some leaders that's going to be easy and straightforward and for other easy for other leaders that's going to be uh, more of a challenge but I think you know you you owe it to your team to to yourself and, and to the business that you work for to to take on these new skills and to embrace them because it brings a different a different richness not just to the skills that you have in the workplace but if you can develop more empathy and better listening skills and you know that higher emotional intelligence and actually that translates well into helping you outside of work and having better relationships outside of work so it's not just a it's not just something that you learn for how to be a leader in the office it's something you learn for living a good life yeah and, and it reminds me uh, uh, going back to a piece of research that was done last year at the start of the pandemic bit of academic research in the us where actually they took uh, households where there was a, a male and female parent uh, both uh, who worked in offices. So they selected a group of people. And what they found was that actually when both were working from home in a lockdown, there was an, a subconscious shift back towards the, the woman doing more of the looking after the kids when the kids were being homeschooled, et cetera. Even if there, there was a split sharing when they were at work kind of thing, actually in the physical workplace. And then they showed that there was some psychological distress appearing in the females in that situation because they felt like they weren't giving enough time to their kids. They weren't giving enough time to their work. Uh, and they felt like they were failing on multiple counts. Whereas, and of course, this is generalizing, but it's, it's what came out in the research. But then, so the men felt more successful in lockdown and the women felt more failing and they, therefore they were more susceptible to the burnout that you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's yeah. why lots of women quit their jobs because, because they felt they were failing and, and maybe not just because they felt they were failing, but because they were burning out because of trying to balance everything is just in, impossible you know you can have it all but you can't have it all all of the time so I think it's um it's it's an interesting dilemma and I don't really know I mean we've seen the sim similar certainly in the UK and I, I know you know lots of women that I've worked with either on a one-to-one -one basis or friends who even though in terms of career seniority if you like or career importance 
you know, they felt they were on an equal par with their partner and they had an equal contribution, if you like, to the running of the household and to dealing with childcare and to dealing with schooling. That once lockdown showed up, you know, suddenly it felt like the women were being asked to take on way more than the men. And I, I mean, that's a societal, cultural thing which is not something you can fix in a in a 25 minute podcast but I think it's very interesting to to look at how that shift happened and I think that's something that as leaders we can you know take that into account when we're considering how individuals you know and working with leading individuals and not just leading a team but thinking about how are individuals coping with their individual circumstances and I think the other thing that we see for, for women in particular you know with as people are living for longer and women are tending to have children at a later stage in life. So we're becoming more of that sandwich generation where we've often got children to look after, you know, still at school. And then we've got elderly parents that we're having to look after as well. And again, we see that it's mostly the women that get involved in looking after the elderly parents, whether it's their in-laws or whether it's their actual parents. So I think that's, you know, another factor that leads to burnout because certainly, um, you know these you can't not look after your children you can't not look after your parents it's a it's a must do as well as you know doing your paid work as well yeah and what you're painting here is a is a, it's quite a high pressured environment and i know your passion is around things like the gender pay gap and i've seen your work around that so when we're talking about visibility there's a very much a slant i know in your background about uh, gender uh, differences in visibility and and the effect of the hybrid working model so I suppose my last question to you and, and I'm sure there's no easy answer to this question is um, what do you think organizations or leaders should be one or two things that they should be maybe thinking about or doing right now if they've got a hybrid working team to make sure that they are helping women who are might be struggling or they might not know at the moment what do you think they could do I think the first thing to do is to is to at least measure what you've got and so for example you know obviously all companies over 250 people are supposed to be reporting on the gender pay gap but to not shy away from reporting on that gender pay gap you know to make sure that you're looking at things like you know who gets promoted and what's the diversity in that promotion not and obviously it's not just gender it's you know other um diversity factors in there as well but you know you can only manage what you measure so you know measure the pay the promotions the bonuses and all of that kind of good stuff and not shying away from the fact that your gender pay gap might be quite large at the moment potentially but what's important when you're reporting on that gender pay gap is to think about how are you going to make a difference? What's the impact that you want to have had from the initiatives and the actions you take? You know, where do you want to be in two years, in five years time? And to be honest, open and honest when you're writing that gender pay gap narrative about, you know, recognising and acknowledging where you've got that gap and what you plan to do but then importantly, actually do what you say you're going to, to do. But I think, you know, you can only manage what you measure. So I think it's really important that organisations manage what's happening and measure what's happening and, and, and then you can manage it more effectively. 
And, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because we've kind of come on to talking about gender pay gap in a podcast about visibility, but they're all connected because the quick fix is, oh, let's just pay some of our more senior female people more. And I'm sure those people wouldn't turn around and say, no, no, don't pay me. Um, but actually, that's a quick fix. What you need to be doing is actually looking at how do we make sure we identify people in the same way to get the same level of opportunity within the organization to get parity. And that comes back to helping people get visibility in the organization. Because if you get visibility at the start, then hopefully the people who are the best and the brightest get seen at the same kind of level, get the same opportunity of promotion, get the same kind of pay revise. So it's almost like, you can do a quick fix on your gender pay review now, but that two, five year view you're saying is almost like you have to start working on visibility as well. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, raising awareness for, for everybody about, you know, for perhaps for individual women or anybody that feels like they're not visible, you know, teaching them what can they do to get more visible, teaching them how to do things like networking, teaching them how to um, you know, develop relationships and develop those connections and have those human to human interactions. So you know, there's, there's lots that organizations can do to, to, to make it a more uh, level playing field for everybody. Cool. And we're at the end of the podcast now, Sherry. So thanks very much for your time. But if someone wanted to hear more about you, where can they go to find that out? Oh, a couple of places. So thank you for asking. So first of all, you can come to my website, which is sherrybevan.co.uk. And secondly, you can subscribe to my podcast, which is called Closing the Gender Pay Gap. And that's where I talk about all sorts of different things relating to how you can close the gender pay gap. That, and I'm sure people are typing it into their laptop screens right as we talk now. <laughs> uh, and you didn't know that that bit was coming. So that's why you sounded so happy. Um, so, <laughs> Sherry, thanks ever so much for your time today. That was um, really super interesting. And the 25-minute podcast you mentioned has just turned into a 30-minute podcast because uh, it was such an interesting topic around visibility. So thanks ever so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking about it. And as you can probably tell, I could talk about this for hours. Well, <laughs> but visit thank your you website. so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. And uh, well, that's it for this time to our listeners. If you want to find out more about similar topics, then do check out either Sherry's website or us at tapsolutions.com. See you again soon on our next Tap Talks HR podcast. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Mm-hmm.